What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, welcome back to the TFA Dino Show. That's right, this is Robbie Jeffries himself back in the saddle after roughly a month off to get some house projects done. Recently purchased a new home, very excited about that. A lot of house projects, more work than they tell you. I appreciate Cody kind of filling in for me while I was gone. What I didn't appreciate was all the slander that he threw my way while I was unable to defend myself. Tom, I, I, I got to ask you, man, what, what was up with all the beef there? Uh, it seemed to be just be flowing left and right while I was missing. I don't recall any slander whatsoever, sir. Imagining no, things. No, I, I, don't, I don't recall. Um, nope. Don't recall anything like that. So... Well, I enjoyed you guys going over the buy sells for both the NFC and the AFC. A lot of fun stuff there. So if you didn't listen to those shows, make sure you go back. You will have to put up with Cody Kutzer's voice for most of those shows. And Tom, I, I like how you guys kind of brought back the question of the week. We, we do pretty well at that, but sometimes we're like, we got to get straight to the content. But you guys brought it back. And so in honor of keeping with your guys' mini trend that we have going on, and it being Olympics week, we have Olympics starting on Friday. Go Team USA. What are your top three favorite Summer Olympic games? What do you got for me? Well, first off, I am a, a Winter Olympic guy. I, I prefer Winter Olympics over the Summer Olympics games. Preach. Um, but I'm not sure. So we had Michael Phelps. So swimming I got into, but I'm not sure how that's going to be now. Um Women's gymnastic, just because Simone Biles, uh, she's just next level inventing moves and stuff like that. So I guess the the floor exercise uh, probably there. And then, you know, football. Uh, that's always uh, an interesting one to watch because of how much it means to other countries. Not necessarily, you know, America, but everybody seems to get into that. So I guess those are my three. Track and field's pretty cool, too. So... I think I would probably take track and field over swimming uh, because I don't know anybody pretty much. Yeah. One, uh, you broke news to me that Michael Phelps is no longer swimming. I just felt like he could swim forever. Did not know that yeah. he was no longer doing I, that. I don't think he is. Two, it's odd that we have soccer in the Olympics. Like I feel like the Olympics for soccer is the World Cup. Like why do we also yeah. do it for the Olympics? Like let's just have the World Cup be that. So you broke news to me there. Uh, you can tell how much <laughs> well, they, I watch. They do it every – so the World Cup's every four years and the Olympics every four years, obviously. So it's inter, it's every two years they have one of them. Three, there's no way I'm watching any track event outside of like the 104 oh, yeah. by one, maybe a couple 200s. But if we're saying track and field in general, 
nah, I'm out. If we're saying the 100 slash four by one, count me in. Absolutely. Give me eight seconds of fun. (laughs) Do you mean it? So my favorite three, and I'm with you, I am a winner Olympics guy. I mean, there's just so many that you're like, what the hell are they doing? Wait, they're skiing and now they're shooting a rifle and that's a sport. (laughs) Wait, they're going straight down a like luge tube head first. What is this madness? So I am with you winter Olympics over summer Olympics, but for the winter or for the summer Olympics, I am gymnastics. Number one, absolutely with you. I just think there's just so many cool events and they do so many amazing things and I could watch it for hours Two, table tennis, man, super underrated table tennis is just ping pong? little ping pong action. Like when these guys get going and they're standing, I don't know, 15 feet away from the table. So they have 30 feet in between them and they're still going back and forth blows my mind. It is, it is something where I could hit it and I don't get it over uh, to the other side of the table correctly. So that's amazing. And then three, Beach volleyball. I mean, Misty May, Carrie Walsh, they built it up for us back in the day. And I don't like the volleyball where you have like six on six. It's like too much going on, but like two mm-hmm. on two, that's where I can get it. You know, a little bump set spike, bump set spike. Like that's, yeah. that's my game. Beach so so is it, do you like women's beach volleyball in particular? I feel like I do, but it's mainly because yeah. of the reputation that they built up, you know, Misty May. What's the reputation? Walsh. Like they were so damn good. They've won so many gold oh, okay. over over the time. I, I know Germany was normally pretty good as well, but uh, no, we have dominated um, historically. And that now, I, now I know we have a new team in beach volleyball. We've been pretty good in the women's side. I couldn't tell you about the men's side. Don't really know. So yes, women's would probably be my preferred viewing. Okay. You Should do? we get into some football? Well, I suppose we shall. Tom. All right. One second. I can't. All right, that's all I can do. I can't. I can't make it through the whole song. Cam Akers tore his Achilles. Well, working out. Not even as a, we, we didn't even make it to practice. We didn't make it to August. <sighs> that is just brutal. I'm, I'm so sad. And it's not just for like my fantasy teams or whatever. I'm sad for him because he had to deal with Willie Taggart at Florida State, who just basically tried to ruin him. And then he comes into the NFL and he has to deal with COVID his rookie season. And you know he's slow off the get up. And then you know towards the you know the stretch run, he really takes off. And this was supposed to be his year, and he gets hurt. And uh Running backs who tear Achilles just aren't the same after they come back, unfortunately. So he's young enough. I'll be really interested to see how he rebounds. Um, He has enough time. Uh, You're talking about July. So he's got enough time to rehab and be back for 2022. I know he's going to be working his ass off. So I'm just really sad, dejected about it. Yeah, I mean, it is – as someone who doesn't have any Cam Akers shares and as somebody who has had him lower than probably consensus um, going into last year and this year, I am also devastated because of a lot of what you said, man. It's 
it's like here's a guy that's about to come into his own. He has the backfield, right, uh, on a good team with a new quarterback. You're excited about this Rams team. And I don't know if you saw it, but the Rams put out this really cool hype video where Cam Akers goes into, like, the back of the running back's dressing room. And and basically Eric Dickerson's back there, and he says, welcome to the big time now, man. And it just, oh. it's just a super cool hype video. And I got a little hype for Cam Akers, man. Like, as somebody who doesn't have a share of him, I was like, this is legit. And then not, like, 48 hours later, um, unfortunately, he, he tears his Achilles. So I was looking at the list of guys who had torn their Achilles, was put up by Chris Towers of CBS, and here's what I'm kind of interested in because one, you're right, there is nobody that has really come back from it. I mean, we're talking about out of the league for most of these guys after they tear their Achilles, um, and and only a couple like Deontay Foreman comes back and plays six games after two years after he tears his Achilles. The rest of these guys, they're like they're done, they're done, done, and the one thing I'll say for him is that none of these guys are like super big names. And they're, they're not big names and young. You know what I mean? Like Mikel LaShore oh. is the one guy where he's 21 years old. Um, he only had uh, his rookie season is when this happened, and he wasn't able to come back. But other than that, I mean, we're talking about most of these guys are, are either not very good players or past their prime, like Arian Foster, who did that at age 29 um, after seven years in the league. So I'm curious if this is maybe an interesting test where it's a – a guy who's obviously uber talented, highly drafted, um, or high draft capital, and he's also super young. So can he overcome it? I think that's still a question for me, but obviously the cards are stacked against him. And I've had that reflecting in my dynasty rankings, which I upset, which I updated today. I have Cam Akers down there actually below Henderson. I have Henderson now up at running back 24 and Akers down at running back 29, just kind of behind the oh. Trey Sermon, Ronald Jones, Michael Carter. And I feel like it's probably going to be farther than, than most people want to go, but I'm just worried that let's say best case scenario is he it does come back and he's able to produce at a certain percentage of, of what we hoped he would have been. I don't think it's going to be for obviously this year's out. And then next year, I feel like that first year back, I don't know if we can see that production. I feel like it's going to be, you know, maybe two and a half, three years down the road where we can see a cam makers that we're willing to invest back in. And so I'd rather take shots on guys that can produce for me this year and hopefully next year, as opposed to, to acres right now, that's why he dropped so far for me. Tom, where do you have him in your dynasty rankings? So I have him either at RB21 or RB22. He's at the end of that tier. Uh, it's a bigger tier with, uh, you know, Montgomery, Sanders, Eckler's in there, ETN, Javante, and Josh Jacobs. He's at the end of that tier, so that puts him at RB22. Um, I have Henderson up to 27. He's behind Trey Sermon in front of Chase Edmonds, James Robinson, Rojo, and Damian Harris. So he's in that tier. Uh, he's got a big opportunity. 22 is his contract year as well. So he gets to try and showcase that he's not just a, you know, just a guy and he can take that job. And, you know, like you said, it might take a year for acres to get back to speed, even though he's quote unquote healthy. Um, so we'll see exactly if Henderson can do it. I don't know. I've always been skeptical of him, but he has the opportunity and he's in a good situation. Yeah, for, for me, it's like Kareem Hunt is at 23 for both of us, right? So 
Um, he is right after Cam Akers for you. And then where did you say you had? Uh-huh. 27. You, 27. So he's still uh, in front of Henderson for you. Um, and that's the one where I feel like it's really interesting because he's not the lead back, right, in, in, on his own team. But we almost feel like in a year or two, maybe that's Kareem Hunt's uh, time for he can seize that role, right? So they're almost similar, except Kareem Hunt's obviously giving you production this year, next year, um, where Cam Akers obviously isn't specifically this year. So um, that's why I have um, Kareem Hunt in front of him. You have him basically right next to each other. So you view him pretty similarly. I'm just afraid that when you're making trades in real life, a lot of these guys, you're, they don't look like they're better right now. But if you say Trey Sermon even does you know half the things that I expect him to do, um, or at mm-hmm. least be the, the starter, it doesn't have to be great, but he's the starter here in 2022. Um, I just feel like that's a, a better value than, than the risk that you take with someone coming off an Achilles injury, even someone who does have the promise of, of a Cam Akers. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's fine. Yeah, you, you're just a sad puppy with this. So I feel I like we have to we have to I'm move on. Rejected. So we are doing the divisional preview for the NFC East today, which I think will make you hopefully a little bit more excited uh, because I know you love uh, the current making of your Philadelphia Eagles. And I say that facetiously, <laughs> but you actually do like some of their players that they have. Um, you know, we will get into the specifics with them, but. Um, the first question when we're kind of previewing this division, and I, and I like the way you lay this out for us, is we want to know who's the potential league winner out of the whole division, any position, and then who's the top finisher at each position for the entire division. So those are our two questions to start us off, and, and I'll start with with mine for the potential league winner because I think we might have the same, and I have Jalen Hurts. Um, I think he has a lot of risk to him and he has a lot of reward to him. So when you word it potential league winner, I think we're viewing if they hit their ceiling, who can just turn this, their, your team around for you. And as late as Jalen hurts is going, I think he can be that guy that you wait on quarterback, you um, load up on running back and wide receiver, you get a a top four tight end and all you need is that, that quarterback to hit. And then boom, you hit Jalen hurts. And if he has the season, if he does anything close to what like the cam Newton did in 2015, which I feel like they have similar styles, right? What they weren't super accurate. Uh, You know, they, they can throw the deep ball. They can throw touchdowns to their weapons and they have a high rushing floor. That's what hurts is upside is right. It's that type of uh, season. Uh, Obviously there is a downside as well, but if he can do that, uh, I think that would be a guy for me that would be a league winner out of this division. So it's kind of funny. You went with an eagle, and I'm going to go with a cowboy here. Uh, I'm going to go with Amari because he's going off as wide receiver 16 right now in, in redraft, and he is further down as far in, in dynasty. I think he's 17-ish. Um, but he's just the guy who can go out there and be a top five wide receiver, especially with Dak. You saw how he was performing last year uh, before Dak got injured. Uh, everybody's talking about C.D. Lamb right now, so Amari just seems to be falling a little bit because everybody wants that new sexy thing. Um, you're going to have Gallup contribute, but you know I'm not sure how much this year. It's going to be the Amari, C.D. Lamb, and, and Zeke show. So I don't think they're going to throw as much as they did last year. Uh, but they're still going to throw a lot because that defense is still not very good. So, um, yeah, I think Amari can go out and win some leagues for people. Yeah, man, that, that's a really good one that I actually didn't think about because um, there are a ton of weapons there, right? And that's the, the thing with Amari that 
Uh, sometimes we forget he was the wide receiver one, like the top wide mm-hmm. receiver after four weeks with Dak. Obviously, they were throwing at an unsustainable rate. Um, they had a lot of comeback games um, that were just wild finishes. But even if we kind of regressed some of that that passing volume, he'd still have been like a top 10, top eight wide receiver, um, potentially even higher, right? So we are talking about a guy that is going super late because a lot of people are projecting that C.D. Lamb would be the new wide receiver one for Dallas. And yeah. I'm not sure if that happens right away. I do think it maybe at some point that that happens, but I'm not the one to tell you that, A, both of them can't be super productive and Amari is still a value even if he finishes behind C.D. Lamb. And two, if it, it, it might not happen, right? It might take until week 12, week 13, week 14, or maybe even, dare I say, 2022. Yeah, uh, and CeeDee Lamb, if you look at redraft, is going off at wide receiver 13. And like I said, Amari's at, at 16. So uh, that's some good value. Another guy I, I contemplated was Terry McLaurin because I feel like he's got top four upside with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he's going off in redraft at the wide receiver 11. And in Dynasty, he is the wide receiver 12 right now. So he's got top five upside. I think he can finish top three or four depending on – you know, his, his, uh, his season, but I think he's going to be peppered with a ton of targets. Uh, Fitz loves to sling it deep and it's, you know, the best quarterback he's ever had. And it's not even close. So I'm excited to see Terry McLaurin play with an actual quarterback, which is going to be a new experience. I'll do the Tom transitions. I heard so well during the last two episodes. Yeah. Speaking of Terry McLaurin, when we go to top (laughs) finishers at each position, I did not do this on purpose, but I have one from each team, and I kind of like it. I kind of love the parity um, of the fantasy assets um, among these four teams, and I have Dak at the quarterback position. You have – I have Dak as well. You have Dak as well. Um, For running back, this is where my giant comes off the board with Saquon Barkley. I have Zeke. I think Zeke was the close one, right? When I did the projections, those two were the closest – um, and if we get closer to the season and it looks like Barkley is not going to be ready, um, which is starting to become a little bit of a concern for me, I probably will switch that answer. But for right now, Barkley, just with the uh, overall workload he's going to get from top to bottom, um, we're talking rushing, receiving, and, and then even I'd say the, the touchdown rate because we've seen Zeke now a couple of years struggle. Obviously, I think he has an excuse for last year with the offensive line woes, but the touchdown rate definitely favors Saquon. And then for wide receiver, I had the aforementioned Terry McLaurin. I also have Terry McLaurin. Okay, so my Washington football team is checked. And then for the Eagles, none other than yep. Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard. Oh, nope. oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Dallas yes. Goddard. Really? Okay, <laughs> Dallas Goddard. All right, so we had three out of four. The only one we disagree with was uh, the running back position. And it's, it's funny because if you look at the NFC East, really – any of those four running backs can finish as the running back one. Um, Miles Sanders, everybody is, you know, writing off, but if they run the ball the way that they should run the ball, which should be a lot, um, which is what they did in Indy last year, then he should be able to produce. Uh, They don't have a lot of competition. Everybody's going to talk about Kenny Kenny Gainwell. If you're going to tell me about Kerryon Johnson and Jordan Howard, whatever, I'm not going to listen to you. Um, and then you have Antonio Gibson in Washington. So all four running backs in the NFC East are actually beasts. I love them. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of them as well. And that's kind of another good transition right over to the Eagles. And that's going to be the first team we look at here in this divisional breakdown. And I think we need to start at the quarterback position because it's a very polarizing uh, player, I think. There's a lot of people who have Jalen Hurts as the next coming of, you know, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Um, I throw it back to more Cam Newton, the, the, the high rushing floor that if he gets his passing under control and he can um, have that high touchdown rate, he doesn't have to be super accurate. He doesn't have to um, throw for a ton of uh, attempts or yards, but if he has a high touchdown volume that we've seen Lamar have, and he has that huge rushing floor, then we could be talking about a, a definite, a definite steal um, in, in dynasty right now. Um, our question is, will Jalen Hurts be the starting quarterback for Philly in 2022? And I'll kick it over to you first. I do not think he will be. Uh, there's a couple different reasons there. I don't think he's going to be great this year, especially because they don't have a ton of weapons in Philly outside of, you know, Devonta Smith. You, we don't know about Jalen Rager. I've gone over the rest, all of the weapons a million different times in Philly, so I don't really have to. But the big thing is they have two first-round picks, potentially three with Indy, so they have the ability to upgrade. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie is enamored with throwing the ball. So if he sees a quarterback who can't throw the ball well, if he doesn't take a big step forward, then he's going to move on from him. Uh, you're hearing a lot of things about Deshaun Watson. And, again, if they really like a quarterback coming out of the draft, they're going to move up. Uh, and, you know, they could potentially trade Jalen Hurts in, in any trade uh, and recoup some of that value. So I don't I don't think he's going to be the starting QB in 2022. He could surprise me. It would be a pleasant surprise because if that's the case, they can spend all those other draft picks uh, putting weapons and, you know, offensive line and building the defense around him. But I just I don't have all the faith in the world that some people have and dynasty is coming off as the QB 11, which is just bonkers to me, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think that's the one caveat what I, where I would um, pivot my answer is that there's been a lot of rumbling about Deshaun Watson and who has the, the firepower trade trade wise to acquire him. Philadelphia Eagles are a popular landing spot there. And so if we see things clear up, um, I don't know when that would be for Deshaun Watson, but let's say the Eagles are kind of a middle of the road team and then we learned that Deshaun Watson is clear to play for 2022 season. And, and just so we're noting, he has not been ruled out for the 2021 season. It's just currently he is not wanting to play for Houston. Everything in court is still going on. So he has not been put on the commissioner's exemplus or anything like that. But assuming that that might be the case or he doesn't play for Houston, I think there is a chance that, that the Eagles make a run at him. But honestly, I think that I saw enough from Jalen Hurts um, in his college profile, I don't think he had a ton of time to prepare in the three games that we saw. Um, I do think he's a better processor and thrower of the football than we than we saw. I mean, you, we saw the flashes, right? But we just didn't see the the consistency. So if you look at the highlight reel from Jalen Hurts, you're like, man, that guy killed it for the Eagles. But if you're a fan like Tom or you're somebody who watches these games, you'll see that he struggled a lot uh, with his accuracy. Yeah. And I think he's better than that. And I think after having a full offseason with, I'm going to say, upgraded weapons, um, I think he he will be um, better than what we saw last year. And if he is is not poor, I guess that's that's the big factor. If he is even mediocre, I think they're going to give him another season in 2022 to see this progression, right? Because rookie year, he only has three starts. 
Um, sophomore year, let's say he he does well, he's mediocre, middle of the road. I think that's a progression that they would be comfortable with going back to him in 2022 and saying, we we want to continue with this and not look to replace and use all of our assets just to bring in another quarterback. So that's where I, I have a little bit of faith that he could re- return for 2022. So, you know, Howie says we're a quarterback factory. So they drafted a quarterback after giving Carson Wentz $140 million extension. So I can't rule anything out and nobody should either. And that has to be baked into his value. Again, you have Tua underneath him at QB 17. I'm taking Tua all day. Deshaun Watson's under him. Rodgers, Tannehill, Stafford. I'll take all of those guys over Jalen Hurts right now because of the possible uncertainty next year. Could he pay off big time this year? You know what? He, he could, but I just I don't have the faith. So I, I'm out on him. Yep. I think you and I are, are, are a little more conservative with that. Um, he, he could be the guy that pays off super big time, but I, I think maybe that that potential failure failure needs to be baked into that price as well. And currently it doesn't look like it is. Um, Miles Sanders is the next guy that we're going to talk about. And you know the reason I, you put, put him on the show sheet and I want to talk about him is that he's fallen so far in ADP. He's down to running back 20 in DLF's ADP. And I'm just curious if we're too low on him uh, because I think that he's clearly the most talented back in that Eagles backfield. I understand we might split some time. We might split some work, but he, there's no fear of him losing the job or losing a majority of the work. Uh, secondly, we, he can catch out of the backfield. He can pass protect. He isn't a size concern. I think the one thing, and, it, and he isn't bad when he's out on the field. The one thing for Miles Sanders is he just hasn't been healthy, and he hasn't shown durability through a 16-week, now 17-week season. And so I think if he's able to show that for one season, like let's say he he does it this year, he should shoot way back up these boards because – um, he's just fallen so far, and I and I think he showed enough even last year where he was on the field. He produced, man. Like the big thing that that got us with Miles Sanders this year is that he had 58 targets, but only had 28 catches. He, his 53 percent catch rate, um, I think that regresses way back up. I think Carson had a heck of a year for a lot of reasons, and I think he the catch rate for Miles Sanders will come back up, and that should help him a lot in these PPR running back standings. So. I think we are way too low on him. How about you? I think he's priced about right only because of the depth of the running back position right now. So he's in that tier with Mixon, Javante, Etienne, Dobbins, and Montgomery. And I think that's right. Uh, I think he's got you know a ton of upside. You talked about the catch rate. Nick Sirianni said, well, no, I'm sorry. Lane Johnson said that they're probably going to be running a lot more screens this year. So that's going to help the catch rate. Running back catch rate should be like over 80%. They should be high percentage throws. Right. Um, that being said, they want to be able to split him out and, you know, play on the outside, play in the slot. They, they want to be able to move that running back around. Um, this time last year, Miles Sanders was the RB7. So, I mean, <laughs> he's a guy who's just fallen because of the – the usage last year, you want to talk about the injuries, that's perfectly fine, but it was the usage. That was the issue. Um, Peterson didn't want to run the ball. Glory told him after he beats Green Bay that, why didn't you pass the ball? I, I mean, well, they ran the ball effectively. They did the same thing in San Francisco. Why didn't you throw the ball more? 
So that was the big issue. Um, and then they're not throwing the ball <laughs> accurately to him. So he couldn't rack up those receiving yards, but if he gets between, you know, 16 and 20 carries, he's going to, he's going to be a beast. Um, and again, he should be getting 65 to 70% of the touches at the running back position. Uh, Boston Scott and, you know, Kenny Gainwell don't scare me, but they're guys who, you know, could have a role, especially Kenny Gainwell, as far as out of the backfield. I think you're going to see some uh, two running backs on the uh, two running back sets um, with, you know, either Gainwell or Miles Sanders split out in the slot uh, because right now you have, you know, Greg Ward there, uh, you know, or Jalen Rager. You can slide Jalen Rager to the outside. So I think uh, Miles Sanders is priced right, but I think he's got a ton of upside, as do all those guys. Yeah, Tom, I completely agree. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Let's move over to Dallas. And the question I think that lies before us is Zeke, because I've heard a lot of sell Zeke now while you can conversation this summer. And I think it is an interesting strategy, right, where you have the running backs who are all turning 26. We're talking about Kamara, Cook, Zeke. I'm sure there's a handful of other ones, but we have this this changing of the guard potentially, right? Potentially is the big word there um, for all of the young guys that we saw um, that produced last year. We're talking Gibson, uh, Najee, who, who's a highly counted rookie this year, Swift, CEH, and then I would have had Cam Akers in that conversation. Um, I actually do on the show sheet, but with the news today, um, we'll take that out. Um, so we have younger backs who could potentially overtake them. And a lot of people say, well, just, just downgrade a little bit in talent, pick up, uh, uh, you know, a, a third or whatever you can get on the side and enjoy that running back for an extra three years. And while I do think there's some merit to that, I'm curious your thoughts on, is that too early to sell Zeke at age 26? So I have uh, DeAndre Swift and Najee Harris at seven and eight and Zeke's at nine. Gibson's at 11. They're all in the same tier. So I think if you can get a little bit younger there, then that's, that's perfectly fine. You know, I would have said, yes, sell him for Cam Akers without a doubt. I think Najee and Swift, that's still tough. Um, they're really close. And I think you're probably going to have better production from Zeke this year. So you have to be willing to take that step back to get younger and you have to have faith in, you know, Pittsburgh's line uh, to, you know, not be horrible. Uh, and then you have to have you know, some faith in Detroit that they're not going to be uh, do what they do to, to running backs. 
Um, Gibson and CEH, you know, they're they're more projection than anything else. Uh, we saw they can be really good running backs, but uh, for Zeke, I, I want more of a sure thing. So at the end of the day, I think maybe only Swift. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are super close, and yeah. I can see if if the team build makes sense for you to go younger, absolutely. I just think in a vacuum, a lot of people are, are trying to push Zeke out the door, and I think it's a little bit too early. We saw from March all the way up till June's ADP, Zeke was hovering around running back 11, running back 12, kind of out of almost out of running back one status. And now as we get closer to the season, I expect we see this trend continue in July, he's already up to running back nine. And I expect him to climb because people are going to realize, especially once hard knock, hard knocks comes on, there's a lot of talent on that offensive line that was hurt. There's a lot of talent at wide receiver. And obviously we know Dak is back, but I think that will just be hit over the head with a hammer a million times. And I think that that pumps up uh, Zeke's value. So uh, maybe that does make – case for if he gets pumped up too far you make that sell but for where he's going right now and for the people who are selling saying sell right now i just don't think that that's the best idea because i think in 2022 i think he, he produces just as much as he could this year i don't see a lot changing with the offense maybe gallup leaves in free agency but zeke should be locked in for a huge workload for the next two years uh, people might tell you that injuries are starting to pile up this is the first season he's missed games due to injuries. So if your sample size is one year of getting injured, then yes, he's had more injuries than he's ever had because he rarely gets injured. Um, and that's just due to his running style and his size and his build. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely a case to be made about the workload. He obviously has had a lot of carries, but I think we're trying to push him off the door before we have even reached age, you know, 26 and a half, right? Like I think we're moving too quick. I think the buying window for Zeke, was right after the season ended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so right now it's tough. So one thing that affects, you know, ADP in Dynasty is redraft, especially this time of year because people are paying a lot more attention. So they're trying to get, you know, people who are going to produce more this year. And, you know, I've already referenced redraft quite a few times because that's, you know, what we're talking about as far as this year. And Zeke's up to RB6. So... Uh, he is coming up the board, and I don't think right now is the time to sell him. I would just ride him and, uh, yeah, go from there. Yep, absolutely. I think he continues to climb as well. I do not think that's the end for him in redraft or at running back nine in Dynasty. I, I expect that to creep up a couple more spots as well. Let's move on to the guy that you mentioned at the beginning as a potential league winner. This is this is where things got exciting for me because as a fan of Amari Cooper, I think the big question for him as well is, is he another one of these, he's not young, he's not quite over the hill, but is he somebody that, that might lose value here in the next couple of years as he turns 27, 28, and 29 years old? There's a, there's a plethora of wide receivers kind of in this range. And I think with all the wide receiver talent coming in, in the, in the sophomore class or rookie class, is this a time where you sell Cooper or do you think he is still a very powerful asset for your fantasy teams for the next two or three years? So I think he's at the point where his production is going to out outweigh his trade value. 
So you're either going to have to sell him at a discount or you're just going to hold on to him. Uh, like if you waited on Julio the last couple of years, you basically, you had to ride him. Uh, same thing with Adam Thielen. They're really tough sells. But I think, excuse me, Amari's got two to three really good years left. Um, Michael Gallup should be gone next year. So he's going to get even more targets likely. Uh, so I think he's got two more really good seasons at least. Yeah, it, I think this is a player that you sell in season if you're looking to sell him. I'm not. I think this offense, we saw what his ceiling ceiling is if they're on that unsustainable pace. Yeah. And likely his ceiling is more realistically at, at wide receiver five, six, somewhere in that range. Kind of what Keelan Allen did last year, I think would be a good ceiling for him given all the other weapons there. But like we said at the top, I don't know if he quite loses this battle against uh, CeeDee Lamb, right? Like I think there can be two supported wide receiver ones in this offense because of the amount of times that they will throw, even if you think they regress back a little bit. Um, so I think if you're a contender um, and you need to make a move for a wide receiver that can put you over the top, he's the guy that's going low enough where all the glory and glamour is on CeeDee Lamb, where he is getting cheap enough down there in the teens um, where he's attainable. And then if you're on the other side and you have him and you need to move him off your roster because you're going to get too many points, wait for weeks one, two, three, see what happens because most likely he's going to produce really well and it's early in the year. And then you're going to be able to flip him later because the one thing with Cooper is that there's just all these little nagging injuries. And, and we should mention he does have an ankle injury that he's questionable to start camp with. Um, I don't know if that goes all the way into the start of the season, but let's say it does not. Um, this could be a guy where if you want to move him off your roster and not worry about that, um, start your rebuild with somebody younger. I definitely think that's a move you can make. I just would wait until the season to do so. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. I don't think right now is the time to sell him. Uh, but during the season, after he blows up a bit, then you sell him. Man, another wide receiver that we have to talk about, because this is a guy that I'm going to be honest, I haven't paid much attention to this guy, and I need to change my ways. Curtis Samuel, um, he's reuniting with Ron Rivera in Washington. He is currently going, Tom, as the wide receiver 43, which just sounds kind of bonkers once you dive into some of his stats, right? Like, And I, I'm kind of guilty of this because Curtis Samuel, for me, has always been this kind of gadget player. He's, he doesn't get a ton of work. He doesn't get a ton of touchdowns. He's just kind of there, and I never know when to start him. And I think – He's had basically 100 targets over the past two seasons, and one of which, this last year, he was third fiddle behind DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And now he's in an offense that throws even more than the Panthers did last year. Uh, the Washington football team had the ninth most attempts. And he also rushes the football, which a lot of people forget about when they're looking at wide receiver stats. They look at the receptions, they look at the yards, they look at the touchdowns. They don't always scroll all the way over to those uh, rushing numbers, and that's something you have to remember with guys like Robert Woods, uh, Curtis Samuel. Some of these guys get a decent amount of yards that you need to account for that. He had 200 last season, and, and he also had a 79% catch rate. And while I think those numbers don't stay where they were at um, for on, on a per-game basis, I think he can definitely still be an 1,000-all-purpose yard guy with 68 touchdowns, and that's going to end up being way better than wide receiver 43. Yeah, so at four at wide receiver forty three, he's like a fringe flex play. He was the wide receiver twenty four last year, so right. he got paid. Uh, they're going to manufacture some touches for him, 
Uh, he's the wide receiver too there. I'm confident they're going to find ways to get him the ball, whether it's, like you said, running the ball, throwing, you know, receiving, it doesn't matter. They're going to get him the ball because he's he's basically an offensive weapon. So I, I'm excited for that spot. Is he a guy you've been looking to acquire at all? Because I don't know why, but I just haven't really focused on him. I haven't had him on any teams. And when I mean, you just told me he was wide receiver 24, that kind of blew my mind. Um, I knew he did it well last year, especially with his rushing and, and some of those touchdowns that we, he was able to score. But I didn't know he was that good. So oh, yeah. he's a guy that after this conversation and, and me digging into his stats for this conversation, I want to go out and see if I can get him um, because that wide receiver 43 – you got to expect that the offense won't change that dramatically where even after this year, right, because we're looking at a dynasty outlook, he can still be that wide receiver two, um, second or third target getter in this offense for this year, next year, and, and possibly all three years of his three-year deal. So he's a guy that I kind of want to try and acquire. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. He's the wide receiver 40 right now in, in redraft as well. So – People are just forgetting about him. I have done a couple of startups and have drafted him, you know, pretty late, good value. And you just plug plug him in flex and you don't worry about it. So I've acquired him in a few different leagues. So, yeah, I, I like Curtis Samuel a lot. Another guy that, that kind of sneaks up on you, especially this last year, is Logan Thomas. And he, he took the world by storm. Uh, it wasn't right away. I remember Cody was always saying, this is the tight end streamer to own this this week. This is the tight end to own week two. This is the tight end to own week three. And it never quite worked out from a streaming perspective. But really, once we hit the middle of the season, uh, Logan Thomas kind of went off and he ends up finishing as a top five tight end. And, and so now, obviously, there's a couple more pass catchers in this offense with Curse Samuel. I'll add in De'Ami Brown. And then Antonio Gibson probably evolves a little bit in his role. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Logan Thomas as he averaged nearly seven targets per game. Do you think that that continues or do you think he's kind of a one hit wonder? What are your thoughts there with Logan Thomas? So maybe he had 110 targets last year. That's tough to do without getting open. Uh, So it's not like he was touchdown dependent either. He only had six. So I think he can score more and not have as much volume there, but I don't think he's going to be the tight end four again. I think he's going to be a top 10 tight end, especially in that landscape with, you know, tight ends after the top eight is just horrible. So yeah, no, I think he can be a a top 10 tight end. We saw the, I think we saw the ceiling that he's going to have last year. I don't think he's going to necessarily get 110 targets, but I think he can flirt with a hundred. Yeah, I, I think especially with that 17th game, uh, I do think his target volume can can remain where pretty close to where it was. But I, I think maybe his his per game takes a little bit of a dip with the increased weapons. You know, I wanted to because a lot of people have this narrative that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't throw to his tight ends, and I've never really heard the basis behind it. But I kind of went and looked back, and Mike Gesicki two years ago had 89 targets, um, had a really good season. That was kind of uh, Mike Gesicki's coming coming out of his shell season. And, and just going back through some of these uh, tight ends, um, there's been a lot of, t- of tight ends that Ryan Fitzpatrick has had success with. So I kind of just question that when I hear that um, on some podcasts around the, the spectrum. But, you know, honestly, as, as much as we can say that his his target volume will be there, 
I just don't know it with with Logan Thomas. I feel like the the talent breaking out so late. He feels like a Gary Barnage, Kobe Fleener, Jordan Reed, Jeremiah Finley. Kobe Fleener. I know. I'm just throwing out these old school names, Charles Clay, even like it's guys that here today, gone tomorrow. And if you told me he has half of his production that he had this year, and they they get other weapons involved, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I just I don't know from a dynasty perspective if I'm fully in on Logan Thomas. Yeah, I have zero shares of him, so it's not like I'm invested at all. So I can see it going either way. So for July startups, he is a top 10 tight end, and that's just where I get kind of off board with Logan Thomas. Like, sure, he can be good for 2021. He can have that season again, but – like I mentioned with some of those names, we, we, we kind of went back to the well with Jeremiah Finley a lot of times after his one season of production. Jordan Reed is another name who he has this one year um, where he breaks out and then never does it again. Gary Barnage, everyone knows that story. And so I just – I feel like we saw that season from him and everyone's now kind of rushing him up the boards. But he's still outside top 10 um, of Dynasty tight ends for me. Um, he's not going to be a guy that I'm looking to acquire – in, for any of my teams, and honestly, he's somebody that if I had on a roster, or what I would tell our listeners is that you, if you have him and you're not contending this year, this is a guy you, I would say you have to move um, because I, I just think there's a ton of other younger talent pieces that are going to be better here by the 2022 season. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, you say he's not a top 10 tight end, and then you start looking down that list of ADP, Robert Tanyan, Evan Ingram, Irv Smith, you might bump him up there. Cole Komet, Adam Troutman, Tyler Higby. It's ugly. So almost by default, he's uh, he's number 10. So yeah, it's ugly, man. Yes, yeah, so, well, some guys that I'll have above him, Cole Komet is, is a big name that, that I like. Um, with Jimmy Graham exiting, that's a guy that I think will jump above him, and he already has for me. Uh, Mike Gusecki is a guy that people have soured on a little bit with Hunter Long coming to town, but I'll take Mike Gusecki over him. Uh, Irv Smith is a name that you just mentioned. He's a guy that I think has a lot more uh, talent and, and just at his age has a lot more years to produce um, and give you a lot of production. So those are just some guys where he'll move outside of that top 10 for me um, and then outside of the tight end one range in Dynasty. Yeah, I have him at 12 as well. So it's not like um, he's in that range. All right, moving to our final team here, New York Giants, Daniel Jones, man. This is a guy that is on the hot seat, if you ask me. Um, our question is, will he be the quarterback in 2022? And, and I'm kind of nervous for him because I think this is just such a pivotal year. Um, he was a first-round pick with a regime that is no longer there. He He's with a, a new team. Joe Judge comes into town, right? Jason Garrett, OC, um, and he struggles. He has a 25 touchdown percentage that's a huge drop off from his rookie year and so now how do they get that better uh they bring in the touchdown jesus himself kenny galladay and and then Kadarius tony for for some weapons around him and i think uh obviously having a healthy saquon will will be super beneficial for him but i'm curious if we don't see him take that next step he he has no more excuses right like they're going to clean house they're going to get rid of him if they suck bad enough, they'll probably get rid of Joe Judge. I don't think he's shown enough to stick around for a third season the way they rotate coaches now. Um, I, I, I expect they maybe clean house if, 
we don't see Daniel Jones in this offense have the success that that the front office wants to see. Yeah, so they surrounded him with you know weapons. You you said that this year. Um, I think he does take a step forward, but that is assuming that he has a real wide receiver. Uh, Kenny Kenny Galladay has to stay healthy. Kadarius Tony, they need to use him in an actual role. They have a million slot receivers, Evan Ingram included. Saquon needs to stay healthy. You know, <laughs> that's all that. The line isn't as bad as it was his rookie season, so I think he can improve. If we see injuries, though, like all bets are off. And one thing we have to keep in mind as well, the Giants have two first-round picks. Uh, they, they got that that pick from the Bears, so they have ammo to go up and, and get another quarterback to replace him if they want to. So uh, I think he is going to produce this year, but um, they have that ammo, so it's no sure thing. Yeah, I feel like just like we've seen the Jets, I think it was Todd Bowles where he only got two years as coach, and then Adam Gase I think was only there two years, right, and then they reset the market again. I'm sure they're glad to be rid of him, but – you know, I, I, maybe it's the New York markets. I don't know, but I, I do. I don't know what it is. It just feels like that they don't see the progression that Daniel Jones needs to have. Maybe he gets better marginally, but they go what uh, five and twelve, six and eleven, something like that. And I think he is out the door or a backup. You know, when they when they bring in somebody else, I think Joe Judge is out the door, Jason Garrett out the door. It just feels like this is a team that cleans house. If you say six or seven teams replace their their coach each year which is kind of the average mm-hmm. the Giants are the Giants just feel primed to be one of those teams next year yeah they could be and maybe they get rid of uh Gettleman there too which would be nice yeah, I mean that's, that's a great yeah a, that's a great point as an Eagles fan I love Gettleman being there so you know stay there finish seven and nine it'll be okay you're doing great but I don't think that's you know <laughs> I hate Gettleman I hate him. Yeah, and so so Gettleman's big move this offseason was bringing in Kenny Galladay, which I had forgotten how high he was in dynasty rankings last year. He was the wide receiver nine, and oh, how the mighty have fallen. Injury, change of team, when that age just turns one more notch from 27. I think he's 28 now, if I'm not mistaken. So he just turned 27. That, that'll be enough to drop you down from wide receiver nine to wide receiver 29, Tom. He drops 20 spots in just one year's time. Um, and, and that's a, a large range of outcomes, right? Like if we see good Daniel Jones, if we see him peppering um, Kenny Galladay in a Jason Garrett offense that kind of peppered Des Bryant as an ex-wide receiver, that's I think the upside is wide receiver nine. And then if we don't, if we see too many targets – Daniel Jones doesn't turn that corner. They can't throw touchdowns, and Galladay only has five or six on the year. Man, he could just fall off a cliff quickly. And so I'm interested to see what your thoughts are with Kenny Galladay when we look at him from a dynasty perspective. So it's funny because you just basically said everything that you know I think about it. Like He could be a top 12 wide receiver if Daniel Jones steps up because he's going to get the targets, or he could be in that wide receiver 36 to 48 range because Daniel Jones could be horrible. And the other thing, health. You know, he, he only played in five games last year, so he's got, he's got to be healthy. They paid him, so he must be, right? But that that's just, just something you have to think about. So he has a huge 
range of of outcomes that you know, I'm I'm not comfortable with. So I'm not going to be owning him anywhere. Yeah, and I think the one maybe peace of mind for me is that if they do a huge changeover and they bring in somebody else, maybe that's something that helps him better offensive coordinator, better system for him, better quarterback that can throw down the field. Because that's the big thing. It's not that Daniel Jones is super bad because I think he completes a lot of his his passes. He's a 65% completion kind of guy. It's just that he doesn't throw touchdowns, at least he didn't last year, and he doesn't push the ball down the field. And what's the two things that Kenny Galladay succeeds at is pushing the ball down the field and catching touchdowns. And so you'll see the the pro crazy giant fan probably says, hey, we saw the same thing with Josh Allen. What does he do that that or what does he not do that Stefan Diggs does really well? And we saw that transformation. I don't think we see that, but I do think he gets better. We'll see just how much he actually does. Yeah, I mean, they're doing the right thing. They got Daniel Jones weapons, so that's how you develop a quarterback these days. You get him actual weapons to throw to as opposed to the the trash that he had last year. So he's in a position to succeed. It's just he's got to take that step. Yeah, I think that's very true. And and Tom, to finish us out with this division, uh, it's not exactly fantasy related, but who do you think is, is top of this division at year's end and who do you think is bottom? Uh, so I think Washington wins wins the division, and I think the other the Eagles or the Giants are going to be in last. I do I don't have you know I don't have faith in the Eagles, but I I have a feeling they're going to be they're going to piss me off by winning games, and they're going to go you know six wins or something seven wins enough to be outside the top ten and not get a quarterback, but they're going to be in like that purgatory. Yeah, I don't think Dallas is going to be last. It's either going to be the Eagles or the Giants. Yeah, I think the Eagles have enough big names on their offensive and defensive side of the ball where it keeps them just winning enough games, maybe close to that. You can no longer go 8-8, eight eight, but 8-9, eight 9-8 nine, nine kind of realm. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit higher on them than you are, but I do think um, it is definitely Dallas's or Washington's division to take. And Washington's defense is everything that Dallas's is not, and that's what probably gives them the edge for me because now they've fixed their their biggest weakness, and that was quarterback. Now, we we all talk about how good Ryan Fitzpatrick is, but we also have to remember he's super streaky as well, so we can see bad Ryan Fitzpatrick. But with that defense, my thought is he doesn't have to do a lot of the shenanigans that, that he <laughs> does because he's had to catch up a, a lot of games because he's been playing on poor teams um, because he's been that guy battling with a – a questionable starter, right? Like he's always been the guy that, okay, Winston throws a lot of interceptions. We might need a backup here. Okay, we're bringing in a rookie and Tua, uh, you know, who's going to be the starter there, right? It's always been a, a team that's not quite there. So if we have a team that's closer to a complete product, maybe we see him not have to make some of those Hail Mary throws all the time. So I'm interested to see what they do. And then on the flip side, you, you've already heard me talk about it. I think the Giants are going to be future this year personally. <laughs> I feel bad because I really like Saquon and I want him to succeed. And I think he will from a fantasy perspective, but they're going to be on the backs of Saquon for sure, because he, he does it all. And, and that's really all they have. If Daniel Jones can't get these other pass catchers involved. Yeah. I'm with you. Tom, that's all we got. We have completed one of our eight divisions. Congratulations. Eight. We did it. I had to do the math there. I was like, eight, 16? No, eight. Yeah. Eight times no, four eight. is 32. It's been a while, 
So you have to actually figure out, you know, football stuff. So I'm, I'm glad that you got back into it. Yeah, I hope I wasn't too rusty. We are in an echoey, empty room that I have not filled with furniture yet. We're still to do baseboards in here, and I don't want to fill it up with a bunch of furniture just to move them around for baseboards. And then the voice is still recovering from a little bit of time in Nashville singing the country songs I did uh, during that weekend. So um, I'm not my best self yet, but hey, we're, we're in training camp. We're warming up for the season as well, and, and we're excited to bring you guys the rest of these team previews and a couple other exciting topics. And Tom, we are coming up on our one-year anniversary of doing the Dino Show. So we're just, we're, we're about to hit our stride, baby. We're about to get going. Previewed some stuff with Cody on the last show. We're going to, you know, in addition to the division previews, we're going to wind up, uh, we're going to do some over-unders. That's always a fun show. We're going to do our crystal ball. We're going to do busts. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have a little bit of a redraft focus on some of those shows. So yeah, I'm looking forward to those, and uh, yeah, let's get it done. We are excited to continue these dino shows with you. Stay tuned. We'll see you next time. Nothing two weeks from shore and down under a right whale boy. The captain called all hands on sport. Take that, that whale and so soon may the man come to bring us Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.